Chapter 65 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 65 A Pleasing Interview Between Victor and Lucinda. Dr. Juno visited his beloved Lucinda very often, and she had so much to say and ask that she generally missed getting full satisfaction about her dear old father. But getting an opportunity this evening, she said, "'My faithful and precious Victor, I have on several previous occasions desired to converse with you about dear father, and I hope you will pardon me for making this topic the subject of our interview.' "'Certainly, exquisite angel,' said he but I had determined to give you my ideas about your excellent father this very night. Surely, my love, we must be of one mind. I hope our whole lives will be as congenial and delightful as the present causes them to be. My love for you is of that ardent character that my whole body thrills with joy the day long. I feel as though my life was a charmed one, and if we should be able to have poor father restored to us, I would be the happiest girl that ever lived." my seraph, you warm my heart with upheaving currents of passionate and effervescent love, love that cannot be experienced and expressed by common minds, an uncommon, wholly immaculate love that stimulates every fiber of the organic domain, whilst it magnifies the soul to the dimensions of a god. In sooth, language fails to express the deliciousness of the cupid darts that penetrate even the most minute vascular tissues of my entire system. Sweetest angel, such love is worth living for, and I cannot help thanking God intuitively for having made us so fearfully and wonderfully, that we are the strongest and most apt when love prompts the mind to perform the duties of life. Yes, truly, under such circumstances everything is easy. That which would be drudgery under other conditions becomes delightful recreation and the most stormy hours pass gently away and promise renewed joys so long as such love as ours exists. I pray, and I will cheerfully labor for its continuance in all time to come. You will join me in that, won't you, exquisite saint? said Victor. Yes, indeed, my darling, I will. And it is no effort neither, precious Victor, said she, smiling and pressing her lips upon his hand, when he said, Oh, holy angel, here, holding out his lips, is better metal for kissing than my hand. But I love every spot of you, she modestly replied, and kissed his lips. That is right, all is right, and we are blessed, quadruply blessed, said he. But now let us speak and plan of your dear father. I think if I should take you to the asylum to see him, it might prove a great benefit to him. Darling, I would be afraid to enter that wicked neighborhood. They might seize and imprison us again," responded she. No, no, my precious seraph, they would not attempt that at this late hour of the day. Of course you know that I had them arrested last night," said he. Arrested? Who? asked she. The bloody conspirators, of course, all of them, and had them paroled, and the leaders bound over in ten thousand dollars to appear at court for conspiracy said Dr. Juno, smiling. "'Why, darling, 
How dare you be so bold and dauntless? Are you not afraid of the religious world? You know the influence these people have over the most wealthy, and nearly every religious sect will stand by them, as well as many worldly persons," responded Lucinda. "'Be not so sure of that, nor fear anything, precious saint. But remember that there are thousands upon thousands of the working classes, who are the only reliable, solid stuff, ready to fight to the hilt for our cause and their rights. Yes, these people have felt the oppression that sectarians and partisans have cast upon the whole country, and they are ready for a terrible vengeance,' said Victor. Oh, precious Victor, do not risk your life for these bloody conspirators," replied she. "'You would not have me be a coward, would you, my darling?' said he. "'But we must now make our arrangements to visit your noble father to-morrow afternoon. I will get a permit from Judge Freelove to visit him, and if we can arouse him, and he seems well enough to leave the asylum, we shall bring him home with us.' "'Oh, bless you, my excellent Victor! but how would you get a chance to bring father home?" asked she. "'Judge Freelove knows me. He is a naturalist, and if I promised him to take care of your father, he will grant me a permit to take him home,' said he. "'I would be entirely too happy if God would grant us this favor," ejaculated Lucinda. "'I feel it in my bones, precious love, that this favor will be granted unto us.' I shall give you some instructions how to assist me in restoring him to sanity, and with your health and love for him, and my magnetic will, cast into the scales of his mentality, we can right the polarity of his nervous system," said he. O oh, love, tell me how or what I shall do to aid you, and I will so gladly do it," exclaimed she zealously. When we go into the presence of your father to-morrow, I want you to center all your strength into your fingers and by pressing one hand upon his forehead and the other upon his pulse at his wrist, and determinately willing him at the same moment to get well, you will aid him and me psychologically to cure him. I will give you further instructions then, if necessary," said he. "'My beloved Victor, I feel as though we should succeed in restoring him, because I have unbounded confidence in your skill and in animal magnetism and I see you understand the science of psychology as well as physiology. In fact, I think what you do not know is not worth knowing,' she exclaimed. "'Thanks, my angel, for the compliment. But whilst I am not vain, and hope I am not so soft as to take to flattery, yet I have sufficient self-confidence to know when I understand myself and when I do not. It were well if men and women too, would know a little more about these human manifestations and natural functions, and have the courage to stand by actual knowledge than to believe so much that is foolish and injurious, if harbored and followed," said he. "'Verily, my darling, you are a genuine philosopher, whose equal does not live,' said she. "'And I long for to-morrow's sun, that we may see dear father and restore him if possible.' So do I, precious one," said he, for I want him in the army to wipe out the Pharisees and swindlers of the age. End of chapter 65